Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde. And Chris Fuller. Today, on this episode of Real Talk Christian, we are in part two of our conversation with Brandon Soche, talking about the Christian and music. This week, we are going to be asking questions that most Christians ask regarding music and what our stance should be as Christians regarding our approach to the subject. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. Here we go. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, everybody. This is Brandon Soche. A little bit later in the podcast, I'm going to make a factual claim about worship pastor Lincoln Brewster. I state that he was the worship pastor at uh, Lakewood Church, Joel Osteen's church, but in fact, he merely led worship there uh, maybe just once or twice. But uh, the point stands that we as Christians need to be at least thinking about who we're associating with. Uh, but I do want to set this record straight and not slander Lincoln Brewster. Uh, he was not the worship pastor at Lakewood. Simply led worship there. Thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Now back to our show. Thank you for joining us at Real Talk Christian place where real Christians talk about real issues impacting the community and the world as it pertains to Christians. Now here are your hosts, Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. Welcome back, Fuller. What's up, buddy? Dude, how you been since last week? Been pretty good. How about yourself? Living the dream. Living the dream. Brandon Soche, welcome back, my friend. Holy slot. On his log. Okay, people are so confused right now. <laughs> Go back and listen to episode one. Yeah, I think we talked about honey yeah. sloss in episode honey one. Sloss. We gave a big shout out to the honey. And then episode two, you gave a shout out to the honey sloss. That's right. That's right. Fourth grade boys, BBS. Well, hey, before we jump back into our podcast questions with, with Brandon Soche, we got to tell you what this week is fueled by. I feel like I feel like that, that, was, that was straight from Soche. He's like, you guys need to say this week is fueled by. It's it's kind of like Sesame Street, you know. This like this episode is brought to you by the number two, yeah, like right. stuff like that. So either way, Fuller, what are we drinking today, man? I believe we're drinking the Starbucks. <laughs> that <laughs> was so weird. Starbucks, the Guatemalan, right? Yeah, Guadal- straight from the like Dude, the really good Starbucks so refinery. Oh, good. It's really good. It was whole bean. We roasted it. Oh no, we didn't. Ro- we didn't roast nothing. No, we grind. We, gr- we, we and it wasn't ground even it. hand ground. Grounding, grinding. Gr- we chopped it up. We ground a Comment bite. below we, to let us know, is it grinding or grounding? <laughs> Either way, we ground it up, put it back in. So, And this is this is some high quality. This is some good stuff. It's some high quality coffee. And so Shay's drinking right out of the Mr. Fantastic mug today. Mr. Fantastic. Isn't it supposed to be Mr. Bombastic? Like, what's the old? <laughs> Someone just cringed <laughs> on the back end. But either way, welcome back, So Shay. How you been doing since last week, buddy? Oh, man, so good. So, so good. Well, hey, last week, um, just a refresh for people who either didn't go back and listen to it or, hey, maybe this is the first episode that they're listening to. Um, we went back in your history a little bit and actually learned who is Brandon Soche and, and kind of so we know um, who we're talking with. So that way, whenever we talk about music, I mean, music is a very personal thing. I mean, we all have our personal journeys yeah. and personal stories with music. And um, there's that old quote where, where words fail music fills. And so it was, it was fun to get to know your story a little bit and just your background and how you met Marianne and um, how you're in the music business today. And, and we ended on a, on a pretty tough question. Yeah, we did. But So here's what we're going to do this week. All right, Fuller? 
We're coming out swinging. Do it, man. Like, dude, we're not messing around. Fastball outside. We are. We are play at the knees. At the knees. Oh, we're gonna brush him back a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. No, it's outside corner. Oh, outside corner. You know. (laughs) Baseball talk. Anyway, he doesn't know sports. He's a band nerd. So, all right. So let's just jump right in because today we're gonna be asking questions that Christians have regarding music and how we should, as Christians, view not just secular music but music in general. So the first question we're gonna start with today is why is music such a controversial issue and topic in the church. Mic drop. Woo. Good luck. Yeah, you didn't. You did not pull any punches. Coming to the mic, Brandon Soche. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me back, guys. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> don't mess up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, why is is music such a controversial topic? Um, you know, it's funny that you uh, brought up that question because it was just yesterday that I was talking with Pastor Scott, and he told me he was listening to a podcast about uh, Clemson football, and uh, this guy was talking about, they were interviewing a guy who's like in charge of all of the stuff that goes on at the stadium, like he's in charge of what goes on the big screen, he's in charge of um, the, the music they run out to, and the videos they play, and the he just orchestrates all that stuff, and he was asked, what's the hardest thing that you deal with at this position, and he said, it's pleasing everybody with the music. Mm. Of all the stuff he has to do, it's the hardest thing is for him to please everybody with the music because music is a is a contentious thing. I think partly you you hit at it. You said music is a deeply personal experience, but music is also a communal experience, mm. and so those personal emotions and things get brought into it, and um, it's. Music is also very subjective, uh, taste-oriented uh, issue. So, you know, we can get really connected personally and emotionally with the music that we like. And, uh, and then I think a lot of times when we have such a powerful connection to that kind of music, we start to, um, I think this is true of a lot of issues, but in music especially it seems like um, when we have a subjective um, taste in something we can, and it's a really powerful uh, subjective taste. We can start to make it think that it's objective, and it's not just an opinion. That it's you know, um, that's just objective fact, right? That uh, chocolate is better than vanilla. You know, bro. Um, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's but, all the time we have left for Brandon Soche <laughs> on Real Talk Christian Podcast. No, 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 keep going, man. Keep uh, going. But you know, it's it's a very subjective thing but i think we can but it is like you said it's a very personal issue and so we really like what we like we really like it and um you know if something that we something else we hear is not like what we like um we can react really negatively to that sometimes so can i make this really personal for you then Sure. You're, a, you're, a, you're a worship pastor I am. at a church, uh, I, I, w- I would flat out say a multi-generational church. Oh, definitely. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, we got teenagers who play music with you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're millennials, so so we want it bumping. And then you got um, all the way from baby boomers all the way even into our senior saints category. So how do you please everybody with, with your music selections? Boom. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, and you know, I'll just say... Um, the fact that the church is multi-generational is part of what drew me to the church. I love that fact. I think it's a beautiful thing. 
I think that the oops. I think that the church ought to be multi-generational. God didn't save just one kind of people or one um, generation. He saves all kinds of people. And so, um, you know, pleasing everybody is not always easy because there are varied tastes that people have. And um, sometimes you've got to compromise. You know, um, one of the things that I think the people in the pew have to realize, all ages have to realize, that music is subjective. And that's part of, you know, part of what we talked about last time was um, there's not a particular style that is God-honoring and a particular style that's not God-honoring. Style is um, one of those subjective parts, but I think we can get confused about that sometimes. And so part of my job to try and communicate and bridge that gap is to try and teach and help people see that fact, that style is not, style is subjective, and that uh, it is, it's not necessarily good or bad. But then my job also, in addition to that, is to try and bridge that gap, to bring in, you know, I'm a, like you said, I'm a millennial. I'm probably on the upper edge of millennials, but uh, I'm a millennial. I love loud music. I love... Uh, we, we, we call that passion-filled music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not loud music. We like passionate music. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm also... I grew up in a country church, and, um, and I'm a student of history. Like, I love the rich past of our of our church, of the church of Jesus Christ. Um, we have these songs that are have a rich history that we can bring in and uh, we can teach to the new crowd. And then for the older people, like the scripture says, you know, sing to the Lord a new song. Like new songs matter. Like we, um, if, if, if the whole deal was we're supposed to just sing old songs, we would still be singing 2,000-year-old songs right. that the, the first disciples sang, but we don't even sing those. Like, we sing, you know, there's one song we sing at church. We sang it this Sunday, All Creatures of Our God and King, and I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's from, like, the 5th century. Like, it's really old. It's It's been translated into English, but uh, uh, there's all kinds of... But other than that, most of the songs we sing, if we think of them as old songs, they're a um, hundred years old, you know, two hundred years old tops. And it's funny because you ask my teenagers, they're like, "Oh, what's an old song?" And uh, like, we'll, we'll we'll drop a song. They're like, "Mark, that came out like fifteen years ago. Like, where <laughs> yeah, well. where's the passion <laughs> from t- yesterday?" Like, right? You know. Uh, speaking of that, your your teenagers asked me one week. They're like, "Oh, we were singing." Um, indescribable for Sunday school. Oh, Chris dude, Tomlin. They're old like, school. man, that's a that's an old song. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's 2004. That's not that old. Yeah. <laughs> but but for them, that's 15. Right. I mean, that's, some of them aren't even. Some of them aren't even that old. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that even that gap. Yeah. I mean, part of it is keeping a pulse on what's the trend of style. Um, but I think for me, I will just say. When I'm trying to, quote unquote, please everybody, I'm honestly trying to not think about pleasing everybody. 
that's my goal. I, I'm trying to bring songs that are relevant to our culture in this church. We have older people, we have younger people, we have everybody in between. Songs that would appeal stylistically to the broadest amount of people and then just bring, and like I mentioned last time, I think the most important part of the song is what's the message we're singing? What is What do the words say? And if we have good words, we're we're set. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, um, there's a pendulum swinging right now. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a bunch of hymns, and it was pretty much all hymns done kind of in a modern style. And then this last week, we had a bunch of modern songs and only one hymn. So just kind of swinging the pendulum a little bit and, and seeing, you know, I try and I try and include a little variety every week. Right. Well, it's a personal thing, and so you know, people in the congregation, and I think you would agree with this. You know, because it is personal, if you just strictly seclude them by doing all hymns or doing all modern worship, uh, they won't get the same uh, response to God as right. as they should as other people are, because that's just not what they're passionate. They're not passionate about that type of music. Not that right. there's a right or wrong. But they're passionate about one style of music, right? And and the whole goal, my goal as a worship pastor on Sunday morning, the goal is for the people of God to sing together. And if you know, if half the church doesn't know the song, you they you can't sing together because they don't know the song. And if the other half of the church hates the song, you can't <laughs> sing together because right. they don't. You know, like the whole goal is to sing together, and so. It's it's a delicate balance. I won't I won't say I've figured it all out. Uh, <laughs> two and a half months isn't long enough for that. But right. uh, but that's it's a challenge that I'm I'm really excited to do because I want to try and maintain the multi generational mm. culture um, of the church. Gap. Yeah, and so it's something I take very seriously. Yeah. Bridging that gap, I want to not leave. I you know, in <laughs> my last church, somebody posted a little cartoon on the bulletin board. Nobody knows who put put it there, but it was a little cartoon of some old people in with like walkers and wheelchairs and it says, "Well, they replaced the old he- pews with chairs. They replaced the old paneling with sheetrock. Are they going to re- they replaced the old hymnals with a projector? Are they going to replace us next?" And uh oh man. Oh. And uh so I think maybe there was a little hint of bitterness in that, but uh no, none. None uh, whatsoever. <laughs> None. But my goal, I don't want to replace the old people, right? I don't. I love the older generation. Can get has so much wisdom to give, and um, and yet we don't want to alienate the young people either, because they're the future. Like right. the the young people are the future. Like the church belongs to all of us, but ultimately to the Lord, and the young people are the future. Mm-hmm. And so we can't leave them out in the cold. But, you know, they can be taught to appreciate older things, and the older people can learn to appreciate the new things. Like, I think it's just bringing us all together, trying to be, do everything with gentleness and humility. That's kind of the big the big deal. So uh, I got a, a question for you that uh, I've actually heard and have thought about myself. I kind of want to hear your response on it. Uh, are there certain types of music that aren't appropriate to play in a church setting, not that they're not they're bad or you shouldn't listen to them, you know. Um, but a, is there a, a a type of music that you want to 
in your church setting stick to? Um, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> I want to see a DJ up on stage next so, week. So, you know, kidding. I said before, the purpose of Sunday morning worship music, in my mind, and I think scripturally, is for the people of God to sing together. And so I think any style of music that makes singing either uh, less central mm-hmm. or difficult to do, um, that's probably inappropriate. So uh, like you wouldn't come to our church and be like, oh, today we're going to bust out the hip-hop, Christian hip-hop. you know? Right. You know, I'm a very big fan of uh, Christian hardcore and metal, and there's a... Uh, that man, I can tell you how many times I have worshipped the Lord in my car with a dude screaming at me about Jesus. And I know that sounds ridiculous to some people, but I love it. And I I absolutely love that kind of music. But it's completely inappropriate at church. You know, you wouldn't br- I would never bring my Christian metal music to church because nobody can sing with it. Well, you know? and that's why I like having this conversation right now. We have three different types of people that like three different types of music sitting yep. at this table right now. Mark, you're hip hop, pop kind of a little bit more. I'm modern. mainstream. Yeah, you're I'm mainstream. You're heavy metal, Brandon. I'm like Paul Blanche, Fernando Ortega. Like I like oh, the I soft love, stuff. I love that stuff. Casting too. Crowns is like all right. We're you know I like it, but we're starting to get a little hard now. Like. <laughs> You know, third, wow. third day, all right, no. we're at that pinnacle, you know. <laughs> See, third so. day isn't even hard enough, bro. So wow. it's okay. a good thing we're having all this right. conversation Jeez. here, but I think we all agree um, with everything you're saying, Brandon. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm i a music lover. You know, we talked about in the last podcast where I music has been a stream through my life, my whole life. I, You know, I'm a big fan of jazz. I play the saxophone. I played the saxophone all through high school and through college. I'm a big fan of jazz. I'm a big fan of classical music. Yeah, my, probably my favorite music to listen to just on my own time is Christian metal because, I don't know, I love the passion. I love the the aggression. I don't know. It's, it's I think... Do you take steroids? I do not. Uh, <laughs> I don't need them. <laughs> but, but it goes back to our conversation of it's, it's a personal issue. Yeah. I mean, it's a very personal issue. It's very issue. personal, yeah. Like, yeah. I want to I bop to mine, but I also want to drop, but I also, right. I mean, punk pop rock is my stuff, man. Yeah. Right. And and I think, you know, to get back to that issue about music being contentious in the church, I think some of that is we we have to, and my part of my job as a pastor is to help people understand that um, when, you come, when we come into Sunday morning worship, we got to put some of those uh, tastes aside. Mm-hmm for the goal of singing together to our great king. Um, you know, I would prefer, you know, a lot of times I would probably prefer to worship to my hard rock stuff or, you know, one of my favorite bands out there making worship music um, is Citizens and Saints or The Citizens. And it's like a indie rock, right. like it's pretty heavy. Like Your wife doesn't like them. She, she thinks he's a little nasally, but... Uh, <laughs> I think he's great. He's got a great, like, rough voice. And, like, I just love rocking out to that kind of stuff when I'm going to, you know, even worship-wise. But uh, but that's not always appropriate for the corporate worship. And so, you know, I'm laying aside my tastes when I come to the table. And so I think um, I think that's that's something that I think we all need to kind of get in the habit of doing to some to some degree. Like, you know, we don't... 
um, we don't check our entire um, interest and taste at the door when we come to the church, but we are there to serve God and to serve others. You right. know, we're not there for our our pleasurable experience. Um, we're there to sing. Right. So my next question for you then is, how important is it to, for us as a corporate body going into Sunday service, how important is it to prepare our hearts through the week for worship? Oh man, it's it's um it's incredibly important. Um, it's incredibly important to uh, the Christian walk. I mean, even just think to to kind of flip that on its head. Like worship on on a Sunday morning is meant to help fuel us for the rest of the week, also. But yeah, when we we have to come with our minds prepared and our hearts prepared for worshiping the Lord. But at the same time, you know, I don't always come in on a Sunday morning feeling ready to praise the Lord. Um, but you, so yeah, it's like it's a, there's a two sides to that coin. I mean, I think we need to try and prepare our hearts to come and, and worship the Lord. But at the same time, like that's part of why we sing is because the music can soften our hearts and can help prepare our hearts for receiving the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why we sing on a Sunday morning, and then we listen to uh, the pastor preach because the music helps to soften our hearts and, and open us up for, for the Word. Um, but yeah, preparing our hearts and walking daily with the Lord is obviously something we need to be doing. Right. No, I like that. So let me take a segue here because there's a few different points of conversation I think that we could have. Um, but right now, one of the biggest points of contention with Christians and music, and, and you know where I'm going with this, is how does a Christian handle the quote-unquote secular music? Um, is that something that Christians should avoid? Is that something that Christians should just dive right into? Uh, I mean, Chris and I, we talked about that a little bit a couple couple of podcast yeah, episodes right. ago, and um, you know, I, I, I make no apology about it, that I, if someone said, Mark, what music do you listen to? I, it's not all Christian, but I, I, I filter my content. So, um, in your opinion, how should the Christian handle secular music? Yeah, um, that is a pretty hot button topic. And, and if you blast Baby Shark, that's it. We're done. Because Baby Shark's my jam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no Christian content there. Um, nope. You know, that is a, a difficult question on one level and a very easy question on another level. I mean, I think... Um, Christians should not just negate all secular music for the sake of just the fact that it's secular. Because they're not singing about Jesus, I'm not going to listen to the song. That's that's the wrong attitude. Um, because music can be good regardless. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the scripture says, walk with the wise and you'll become wise, and walk with fools and you'll come to harm. Those who walk with fools will suffer harm. And uh, bear with me, but if you picture like when you're listening to a music, you're walking with somebody. They're telling you a story. They're bringing you along emotionally, rationally, um, and, and you're walking with them. And they're coming, becoming a counselor for you, um, an advisor and a friend. And you know, we don't want to walk with fools and become and suffer harm. And so we need to be very careful with the messages we're putting in our hearts and in our minds. And um, yeah, I mean, we don't need to discount all, I'll reiterate, we don't discount all music 
that's secular just because it's secular, but we must be really careful. I mean, I tell you, my dad, I'm one thing I'm really thankful for is my, my I come from a family of, of musicians. My dad is a big musician and, uh, he, he was playing music and it's probably another reason why I'm so passionate about styles not being, you know, good or bad is my dad was coming of age in the Christian rock revolution age. And, uh, he started playing music with just secular rock bands playing, you know, Rolling Stones and Eagles and, you know, all that kind of stuff. In Boston. And then um, he started seeing some of the words that he was playing. Like, um, he tells me, he told me the story about he was playing a song and he just liked how the guitar sounded and he was um, just playing the song. And then one day they had like, it's like he either he saw the lyrics on a screen or he was hearing them. And it was, um, I forget the name of the song. There's a Rolling Stone song. It was called, it was called Sympathy for the Devil. And, uh, and it's a song about, tr- it's the devil, like, telling you, hey, I'm not such a bad guy. Like, have some sympathy on me. And he said he was just broken when he realized the message he was sending to people. Right. And uh, so he always really emphasized to me the importance of the message that you're hearing. Like, um, and it wasn't just like, you shouldn't be listening to music that has a bunch of sex and explicit content or curse words and whatever, because that's obvious, right? right. I mean, I'm, maybe it's not obvious to everybody, but as Christians, we shouldn't be filling our minds with sexual content and explicit language. Like, I feel like that's pretty obvious, but also this thought of like, I bought a CD. One of the first CDs I ever bought as a teenager was three doors down, um, album with uh it was their first album kryptonite and dude i remember that CD. some rock and jams on that cd but my dad listened to it and he read the lyrics and he said you know son i don't think you need this cd because he knew i was struggling with depression mm-hmm. in that stage of my life um and that those songs were not going to lead me out of depression they were going to lead me further into it because right. it was, you know, songs like I'm a loser and sooner or later, you know, I'll be dead. Like, it was just like, so like, you know, these songs were a counselor for me, leading me in a way I didn't need to go. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so ever since then, I, you know, and so he made me take it back to the store and I was really mad, but I'm thankful now. Right. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, the music we listen to, like I said last time, um, music has a power to bypass the mind and the intellect and speak to the heart. And when we put messages into our heart, we have to be really careful with those messages because, um, you know, the scripture says that the heart is the fountain of life. From, and, and so we must guard our heart for from it are the springs of life. And so... We need to guard the the messages that go into our heart because our life will flow from that. That's some good stuff. Because um, I know this is a struggle that um, the older I get, it doesn't seem to be that much of a struggle with the type of music that I listen to right. in terms of like I hear a song like mm, I don't need to listen to this, I'm done. Um, but coming from you know my my ecosphere of where I live and work and and hang out. Um, music is one of the most important things to teenagers. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, and, and and shout out to the like we actually got some teenagers listening to this podcast, which is pretty sweet. Pr- Sorry, it's pretty dope. <laughs> but 
Um, so how like this is a struggle for teens is yeah, they don't want to be on the outside. Right. Um, honestly, a lot, and, and I'll just make this blanket statement. A lot of Christian music is garbage. Like, I agree. It's, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it sounds hokey. It, it, right. There's no musical. I disagree. Beauty to it. Yeah. Just stay over there. But, <laughs> no, no, no. But, yep. but, but, but a lot from, from their mind or right. it's, or it's copycat. Like, you know, like right. I remember walking into family Christian bookstore and it's like, Oh, if you like this band, like, like, like it'd be like, if you like Britney Spears, you would love, it was like right. Rebecca St. James or, uh, right. uh, Oh, um, Oh, I can't even think of uh, Stacy Rico. Oh, Stacy Rico. You like that? It's like Jackie Velasquez. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Reaching back. Or, or there's, you know, there's, if you like this band, you'll like this person. And then like, for me as a kid, I'm like, I don't want to listen to the copycat. I want to listen to, listen to the real stuff. Right. Um, Originals. Right. The, right the, the, the actual good stuff. And, and teens still deal with that. And right. now we have this new genre of church music right. with elevation and Bethel and vertical worship so and all these good. different things. And, and my teens will park on that. They'll hang out in that church music sphere. But at the same time, they only listen to quote unquote secular music top fifty charts because right. it's good. Like it the music is good. So what would uh, uh, what were you gonna say, Fuller? I was just gonna say how much of it is really good music and then how much of it's influenced by what other people By their peers, exactly. Yeah, so that's it's, that's it's, where it's I was popular going. influence. It, it I mean, reminds me of that Steve Harvey meme where it's like when the beats fire but it doesn't help my walk with the Lord at all. Um, so what would what would you say to the teenager that is wrestling with uh, specifically the Christian teenager that is wrestling with that where they're like I know this might not be the best but I really like it but I'm not sure what to do. You know I would think uh, one question we, you kind of you kind of touched on the pulse of it, Chris. Is are you listening because you like it or are you listening because it's what's cool? Mm. You know that's a pretty um, that's a pretty big difference. Um, and though I think it can be hard to ferret that out in your head sometimes to think, no, yeah, I like it cause it's cool. And it's like, um, I would say, and this is me being my nerd self with my shirt that says <laughs> theology nerd on it, but, uh, never do anything just cause it's cool. Right. Like do something like enjoy something because it's good. You know, and, and I would, no offense, Mark, but. I think most of the stuff that's on the radio today is not good. <laughs> Amen. Preach uh, it. But, it's uh, true. But as a music teacher, that was something I struggled with. As kids, would, we had listening day, and they would, where I would let them suggest a song. It had to be school appropriate. But uh, I would play their music, and I would go, man, these songs are lousy. Garbage. <laughs> but, Get that Post Malone in here. But it's like, uh, it's just, <laughs> um, music is so, is deeply personal. And yeah, I mean... I don't want to insult anybody's taste, but why are you listening to it? Right. Yeah, are you listening because because it's popular, or are you listening to it because it's good? And uh, and you know, teens, if you're struggling with what you're listening to, you know, think about that scripture that talks about walk with the wise and you'll become wise, but those who walk with fools will suffer harm. Like the the music that you listen to, the companion you allow into your life will will guide where you end up and and just for clarity's sake that's out of proverbs 13 verse 20 yeah he who walks with the wise will become wise but the companion of fools will be destroyed right be destroyed oh there you go esv says suffer harm but i like that one even better that's good old new king jimmy right there uh, oh yeah but man i mean it's so important like don't just follow the crowd because it's cool like be aware of what you're doing especially christian teens you know 
I, I tell you what, if there's one thing I wish I could do better is not do things because my friends told me to do it. You know, and I wasn't super concerned with being cool back in the day because I was never cool. But my buddies gave me like, hey, listen to this. And I'm like, yeah. You wanted acceptance. I wanted well, acceptance in my group. Yeah, FOMO you know? was real. Right. I mean, FOMO, fear of missing out was real. And um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, we just have to be, just understand that music is a powerful tool. And it will affect you in ways you can't even really understand. Like... As we get older, you know, I, I I saw a study once and talked about the music that you listen to as a teenager continues. The, the first music that you enjoyed and had a connection with as a teenager continues to be something that you love throughout your life. Mm. Oh, that's now that's bad for me because it was teeny bopper. Well, now we know why you like the top and 18 and S Club 7, man. But it's like <laughs> because teenagers are experiencing, um, you know, their brains and hormones and things like their brains are just developing to the point where they can experience and understand full range of adult emotions, but they don't know how to handle them yet. And so music is so powerful to teenagers. And, uh, and so, you know, those connections you will make as a teenager, like you said, you know, as an adult, you can listen to something and like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but as a teenager, it's like, it will affect you deeply. Hmm. And so they need to be even more careful, probably, but they're probably the least careful. So here's another segue then. I mean, um, USA Today just dropped an article about NF. Uh, NF, the hip hop artist who's like, Who? some people call him, well, some people call him like the, the off brand Eminem. I mean, the dude, his bars are fire. Never I heard mean, of him. Yo, you've never heard of NF? Nope. I mean, I have. I haven't so, listened to him much, um, but I've heard of him. He's good. He's really good. But his album just beat out Chance the Rappers for number one on the Billboard Top 100 album sold. Hey. So little NF from just north of here, Michigan, uh, beat out Wow. right now, who's one of the most famous rappers ever, Chance the Rapper. Um, but when, when you talk about NF, um, and, and I know you guys don't know, so we won't talk about the content of, of his music specifically. Um, but so, uh, th th there's this little saying that, that everyone talks about. I mean, it says that NF style has been compared to logic and machine gun Kelly. And I don't know if you guys even know who those guys are. I have heard of them. Um, but so although he found his musical upbringing in Christian hip hop, um, NF has denied his label as a Christian rapper saying, and, and this is an actual quote is I'm a Christian, but I don't make Christian music. How can that be? Well, that's that's what I want to ask Soche on that because you you were an artist. I mean, you had a band and you guys quote unquote toured. I mean, you guys played some gigs, you know. Yeah, yeah we um, quote unquote. But so so, but Campus NF tour. is just so you know, NF is one of the most influential people right now in the youth group sphere because his bars are he he has very tight lyrical bars. He doesn't do that mumble rap stuff. In fact, he like he Eminem style calls out those rappers who are just lazy rappers in his own bars. He makes pokes at Kanye. I mean, the dude is a legit Eminem-style rapper. Um, but if you talk to any one of my teenage guys, and especially those who are in that, that sports sphere right now, NF is what they're bumping to get hyped up for anything. So how should we handle these artists who, like, I mean, before NF there was Creed. Um, Amy Grant was kind of in that category of, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't make Christian music. How do we how do how do we go through and, and handle a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, 
I tell you, like, um, you've got to look at the content of what they're what they're saying. I mean, that's super important. Um, and I mean, yeah, I was man, I was a big Creed fan back in the day. Uh, and honestly, to this day, I went and listened to Human Clay, my favorite album, and I'm like. I don't have any idea what he's talking about. <laughs> that dude is the weirdest songwriter of all time. But was uh, it one last breath? And uh, but anyways, I mean, it's. I mean, I'm glad to hear NF is a Christian guy who kids respond to. You know, maybe he's making content that's not. It's not bad content. I mean, it's, it is pure. I mean, kind of like Twenty One Pilots as well, where it's right. pure, brilliant content, but at the right. same time. He stops short, right? With like, okay, I mean, so how do we get out of this? With you know the, the, the gospel in those conversations, right? My, I, yeah, that's my question: is is if you're a Christian following God, and your conversation, what you're passionate about, doesn't ever turn towards God and His ways? Yeah, I mean, really, you got to examine your heart, shouldn't you? I mean, at that point, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, to a degree, I would agree with that. Um, we, I mean, one of my favorite bands. It's, um that's not so heavy is Switchfoot. I really like Switchfoot. Um, okay, I know who they are. But Switchfoot I've never been a big Switchfoot. One man. of the things that they say is yeah, we don't make Christian music um because, you know, and I think I, I think it was John Foreman, lead singer for Switchfoot. I heard him in a re- uh, interview and he said something to the effect of um music it can't be Christian because only people can be Christians. Music is music. Um but when you listen to Switchfoot, which to to a degree I, I get that because he's saying you know uh, Jesus didn't die for the sins of my music, right? <laughs> you know he died for the sins of the person who made the music. Um, but we all know what people are getting at when they say is it Christian music or right. not? You know they're talking about the content, right? And and uh, John Foreman, I think he was just pushing back on that a little bit and saying you know, but when you listen to Switchfoot, the gospel comes out. The hope of the gospel comes out, maybe not in explicit terms, always, but like there's there's hope in there, and I think that's probably the big difference between a person who has a Christian perspective making music that's not necessarily screaming Jesus's name for the whole the whole five minutes of the song, but is there hope in that music? Like, um, you know, Twenty One Pilots is a good example. I think I I was turned on to them from some of my kids in um, my music class that I was teaching. Um, and I really liked what they had, what they were doing. It was really interesting. And, you know, I could tell from some of the things he was saying that he came from a Christian background, but one of the... You get the Christian worldview. Right, there's a Christian worldview there. But one of the things I will say, like, I would not recommend a lot of their songs to some, like, hurting kids because... He doesn't. He some of the songs he brings some hope in, but I think that man is is severely depressed. Hmm. And I think you know, like I heard a, one of my kids listen to one of his songs, and I know this kid was really depressed, and he was listening to the song "Migraine," and it talks about I just want to end it. Like uh, the cure for the migraine is is to end my life, essentially. And like I'm like, man, that's that's no hope. That is not hopeful, and that is not something that that is. Walking with the fool will destroy you, you know, because if you cure your migraine by ending your life, that's going to destroy you. And, um, you know, but, you know, 
even on on another take, um, I don't want to go f- too far over time, but I've got a you know something I've been wrestling we'll with. Take all the time for you, so <laughs> something I've been wrestling with, even in the Christian realm of worship music or church music, like we need to be careful who we're walking with in that realm too. Like we, um, we've got like there's there's certain you know the song. I I I feel strongly. Um, that there are two very strong opposite sides of this coin, and I relate strongly to both of them. On the one side is each song needs to be taken by its own merits, right? And, you know, what are they saying in this song? Let's take it. Is it good or bad? But then on the other side is who is the person that's giving us this song, and can I walk with this person? And, you know, there's like... There's some some of the big names in worship music today come from churches where I would not recommend right. someone going to that church and walking with that person because their teachings are questionable at best. Um, and at worst, some of them are pure heresy. But we need to be careful. Who are we walking with? Like, am I listening to this song and I'm jamming out and making this personal, intimate connection with this song and then find out, Oh well, the pastor at the church where that song came from says that you know when I speak my world into existence, God's mandated to to give me whatever I want. You know, I just like this prosperity gospel nonsense, or or you know, there's there's so many different things that we need to keep an eye out on, and um, thinking about even you know secular music the same. Like I would feel better probably listen to a not quote unquote Christian song that I knew was written by a Christian person because I would hope that they're, you know, like Switchfoot. I like listening to Switchfoot because I feel like I, to some level can trust where they're going to take me. Um, You you, you know where the source is and where the source is coming from. Whereas, you know, if I'm listening to some dude that, um, like one of my favorite bands in college before I kind of started guarding myself a little better was a band called, uh, you guys are going to laugh, but it's called Between the Buried and Me. It was a progressive metal band. Um, but this dude was coming from a purely secular, hopeless worldview. You couldn't understand most of what he was saying anyways because it was screaming <laughs> at you. But like, Well, then you shouldn't be listening to that. Right. When, and when I when I listened to that, you know, I couldn't and I what finally made me go, but like man, their their guitar licks and everything was so good. And as I started examining what they were saying, I was like, man, I can't trust this guy. I can't trust where he's going to take me. I was like, I don't know. I don't know about this. And I've kind of weaned myself off of it. Well, and and speaking to even that, you have to be careful. Uh, I'm going to give an example of of one of my childhood favorite artists was Ray Bolts. Yeah. And Ray Bolt's lyrics were spot on. I mm-hmm. mean, they were beautiful mm-hmm. written lyrics to, to God. And for all the older listeners out there who know Ray Bolt's, he came out a few years back that he was a homosexual. Right. That he said that homosexuality was okay. He was leaving his wife and his kids to go be with a guy. Mm-hmm. And that's the path he chose. So like you're talking about walking with people, we, we have... Right. We, we do walk with people through their music. Right. Uh, we feel the emotions that they felt, you know, th- those things that they were feeling when they wrote the song. We yeah. get those feelings. We've got to wrestle with that. Right. And so even 
even Christian music. I mean, this guy was like, as far as the Christian world was concerned, the conservative world, especially back in the nineties, uh, this guy was legit. Right. He was on top of the all everything. All always. Yeah. Uh and Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, how many how many special Lord. song offerings uh yeah. would the I mean he made some beautiful song? music. Oh yeah, but but then it turns out that right. hey, we were all walking with this guy who yes, he was struggling with sin for a w- when he was writing that music, mm-hmm. but then he finally gave up on the struggle of with that yeah. sin and decided to accept it. And like that's where we're that dangerous right. spot is at. Yeah. So I mean we we already gone past our normal time, which is cool. But but I think this is too important of a conversation to end it. Um, and I don't think people want to listen to a part three. No, I don't think so. But but what was the dude's name? Like I I have I Ray, don't know Ray Bolts. Ray Bolts. I don't know. R A Y B O L T Z. Well, you know, and let me give you an even more relevant example. And that's 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 what uh, I was thinking too. Yeah. So uh, just this week, even which depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it may have been a couple of weeks ago or whatever, but uh, Marty Sampson, mm-hmm. um, who was one of the worship pastors and song writers at Hillsong Church in Australia, which um, Hillsong, you know, you Man, like... They got some questionable stuff. They got some questionable doctrine, that's for sure. Um, but uh, some good songs, though, everyone. But Hillsong, uh, he was one of the songwriters there. Marty Sampson walked away from the faith. Uh, and he he wrote this lengthy Instagram post talking about how uh, he feels better than he ever has before because he's just walked away from the faith and he's like I don't care about any of this anymore and you know he rose he raised all these objections and and things he's like you know why does nobody talk about this stuff and um, it's shaking people you know and um, in fact I had a song on the lineup uh, we were gonna do because. Everybody kept requesting we do it. Uh, one of the favorite songs of the church is Oh Praise the Name, which is a great song. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's I examine those words, like I say, you know, taking each song by its own merits. Beautiful song. That's my song. Amazing my words song. that are true and they are pointing to Christ and his glory and it's great. He wrote that song. And, he and was one of the so, co writers. And just so people know, I mean Marty Sampson also wrote What a Beautiful Name. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wrote Oceans, um, which my my teens know my opinion on that. Um, my favorite song right now, Who You Say I Am mm-hmm. from Hillsong. Uh, Hosanna, the classic, or like, mm-hmm. I mean, Easter anthem, right. Hosanna. Uh, Broken Vessels, this I believe. Um, you ready for this one? Shout to the Lord. Yeah, he helped he write that one. He wrote that one too. Yeah. I mean, uh, even the newest one, um, There's Someone in the Fire. Like, that's one that is all over. Yeah. I mean, CCLI, every church is doing that song. And he, he wrote. He was a part of writing. I mean, he he didn't individually write all those songs himself. No, but he was he, on the he was on the writing, he was team. On the writing team. But yeah, I mean, then we got to wrestle with is this, you know, where are we, you know, we got to wrestle with that. What's what does your, that mean for us? What's your heart when you sing those songs? Is it? I mean, I get that we walk with them, but we don't put our faith in man. Amen. Yeah, we put our faith in God, and that those songs lead us to God, and we're not right. thinking about the man, right. and that those songs were written. And the feeling behind those songs were to be praises to God. Right. Just like even still now, knowing Ray Bolts' past, I still listen to some Ray Bolts every yeah. once in a while yeah. because that music is towards God. It's a worshipful music, and right. I feel that. So though I know his past, I, I have to separate the two. Right. And I think, you know, that's definitely something we can do. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I was wrestling with um, that issue this week. Um shout out to John Cooper of 
Skillet, the yep. lead singer from from Skillet, uh, he's made a lot of news on the internet because uh, he wrote a really excellent uh, little post article, whatever you want to call it, um, addressing the issue. And that's one of that was his main point was we need to get our eyes off of these twenty something year old worship leaders and these mm. these songwriters and these guys and get our eyes onto God right. and His Word. Yep. And um, you know, and that's a really good. Uh, admonishment is to get our eyes off of the people and onto the word of God. And, you know, insofar as the song lines up with and points us to Christ and to his word, it's a good song. Right. Um, you know, and so, but you know, that's a, that's a issue. The, the, the person who becomes apostate, their music still being valuable and good, um, but then you know there's a that whole uh, the it's a related but different issue of what about the song that you know is from a place where they're still they're not apostate but they're still like I'll just throw I'll just drop a name like you know Lincoln Brewster we all know that today is the Nathaniel. day close your ears Lincoln Brewster is a great musician one of the best guitarists you'll ever fantastic hear. guitarist has written lots of great songs I love his songs he was Joel Osteen's worship pastor for a while really what do we do with that Mr. Smiles I didn't know that Joel Osteen is like the easiest example to point to well, as a person I who think, you don't want to follow that guy I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said you know, on one side of the coin, we have to look at each song individually and what's right. the content of right. each song. So I think you've answered that question of what's the content? What's the feeling behind the song? Is it a song to point towards myself or to, to the musical right. artist? Or is it a song that points to God? Right. And, and is it a worshipful song? That's just my opinion on it. No, yeah. I, and I think that's really, that's important. But like I said, also, there's a second side of the coin of, you know, I, as a myself as a music pastor, mm -hmm. I'm wanting to lead people and protect, like a pastor. Well, you're a shepherd. A shepherd, you know, the shepherd protects the sheep, and it's if, better to be overly cautious than underly cautious. Well, and I just think you know, if I play a song, um, play a song by Lincoln Brewster, which Lincoln Brewster, uh, let's well let's let's use an even. Uh, now we'll stay with Lincoln Brewster. So. <laughs> Say, because he's not at Joel You're Osteen. About to name drop. He's not at Joel Osteen's church anymore. But uh, let's say I play a song by Lincoln Brewster at church. Somebody really resonates with that song. They go look it up, and they listen to it at home. They see, oh, it's by Lincoln Brewster. They go look into Lincoln Brewster. They go, oh, he used to be worship pastor at Joel Osteen's church. Oh, let's look into Joel Osteen. Oh, he has some really cool stuff to say. And before you know it, they're off in the woods. Right. And and you. You you know, and I want to be really careful about that. Right. Uh, how often is that kind of thing going to happen? Not super often. S so the the moral of the story is, Pastor Scott needs to start writing music. I well, well I mean that's the thing. I mean with, right. with elevation worship, which I mean honestly, since Mac Brock left a couple of years ago, their stuff has become pretty hokey. Um, but if you look, every song Elevation has ever dropped, lead pastor Stephen Furtick's name is on it. Right. For for theology yeah. side, which is makes me a little. Nervous. Well, I'll tell you, you hey, he's you, got some good stuff. Though. You brought him up, and Stephen Furtick is, you know, he oh, started out. <laughs> you brought him up, but Stephen <laughs> Furtick is one that I have issue with. You know, he, I don't want to do guilt by association or anything, but TD Jakes 
is one of his guys that he fawns over. And T.D. Jakes is Although a... T.D. Jakes yeah. is he's self-proclaimed his mentor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And T.D. Jakes is a is a um, a person who denies the Trinity, and he is a blatant prosperity gospel preacher. So here's my question. You know, I, I've listened to, to Federick and... And I've got some stuff out of it. Some, some. Yeah, I got ways. his books on my shelf. So, yeah. do we do we throw the baby out with the bathwater, or or do we separate the the baby and the bathwater? You know, it, it's all entangled. Or right. a, another analogy would be, um, you know, when you eat fish, do you just throw out the whole fish because it's got bones in it? Or, or, or I mean, what? So, what right. do you do here? You know, I think as a young person, you should be looking to your elders to help you walk through these right. situations. And I think as elders, we should be walking together uh, to keep each other each other accountable. That's what right. the purpose of the church is. Right. I don't. I don't think to answer your question. I don't think we throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I think I heard a really good analogy of this. Uh, say I took I made you a pan of brownies, mm. and yeah, brownies are my favorite. I'm down with some brownies. Say I, say I made you a pan of brownies, and I put just just like a little dab of poop. Oh and man! I, now you and, ruined it. And I mixed it into the batter. I mean, it's just—I mean, just a little bit. It's, it's but weren't you the guy who was just talking about drinking coffee from the cat's poop? Yeah, he and was. Now, yeah. now, now you're, you're a hypocrite. Poop. So, but you know, if I stir <laughs> in poop, just I just a little bit of poop into those brownies, you do you still want to eat it? Just don't tell me. If I could separate it out, yes. But if I couldn't separate it, well, I'm saying like well, the I Bible guess, uses the, it's the idea of leaven. I mean, a little leaven, right? Is the leaven, a, the whole or, lump. or the fly in the ointment. A, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I mean, I just think I agree. Like Stephen Verder has some really great stuff. He mm-hmm. said, like he's a great communicator, and he he I believe he he believes the true gospel. He preaches the true gospel, uh, and I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not here to say Stephen Furtick is a heretic who doesn't is not a Christian and all that stuff. Yeah, Christians I'm not, like to use that word heretic. I am way. not here to say that, but I would say, wouldn't you rather have a more reliable source that doesn't have that I, you don't have to spit out so many bones? I I agree and disagree. So the the reason why I disagree is because do the sins of our fathers count towards us to today? Well. Okay. Yeah. So we we not, are influenced by our parents. I'm right? not. I'm not saying. Well, I'm not even saying because um, I've heard Stephen Furtick talk about preach uh, word of faith, prosperity principles and doctrine, mm-hmm. and talking about you know speaking your your world into existence, and that's what God does. That's not what we do. Right. And so yeah, and I definitely disagree with that. And like but. I said, I'm not saying guilt by association. Though if you say your mentor is a person who I'm gonna say, if you deny the Trinity, you're not a Christian. So I'm gonna say yeah, T.D. Jakes. That's pretty is fundamental. Not, like T.D. Jakes denies the Trinity. I don't think he's a Christian. So if a Christian pastor says this non-Christian is my mentor, right? In the in yeah. the ministry, that's pretty I, troubling to me. I would extend to people to use major caution. Right. Listening. Do I say that? I, I'll never say any man's fully right. No, I'll never say no. that. Yeah, I won't. Uh, you know, sorry, Pastor Scott, but I won't even say that about Pastor Scott. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, nor will I say it about myself. Mm-hmm. We're all learning and growing together. Um, but I believe that even even sinners can teach Christians some things. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I definitely, for sure. I, I definitely don't think that we'd be like, oh, well, we can't ever no, no, listen no. to anybody or anything like that. And I, I know that's not what he's saying, but I, I just want to reiterate that because there are a lot of Christians out there that do that. They're like, nope, 
can't associate with them. Can't associate with them. Right. They, they spoke one bit of, of non-truth, or right. they believed one bit of non-truth, and it's like, well, I hate to tell you, but we all do. Right, and, right. and even the Apostle Paul in, in Acts 17 right here, he talks about he used their own poets when he was at, you know, up on Mars Hill mm-hmm. in, right. in Acts 17. Right. So it's it's even the Apostle Paul is using, and he's even brought up Plato and other things like that, mm-hmm. and, and that whole separation between the physical and the spiritual that us Christians like to do that's that's from Plato. Like that's not even from the Bible because we're all in one. I think that's the, one of the issues we have with secular music is we like to put them in categories rather than right. I no, think what is a, what is beneficial. You, you have to that, listen to the spirit. Of we need to take Platonic. the The whole idea from Plato is not Christian, and we need to re- mm-hmm. reject that. Right. But you know, I would say that I think there's a difference between what Paul did there because he's using a known unbeliever. Right. Just to prove a point to in their own mind, point. to say like, yeah, well, even your but, own prophet says that we're all from one from one God, right? And this is him. But we're talking about a person who, who, who proclaims the who name proclaims of Jesus. that they're they're a, a teacher of the Word of God, right? And they're mishandling it right. a, a lot of times. Yeah, and I definitely agree. and the and Apostle think, Paul called those people out, right? And I just think um, we as Christians. And, you know, and Mark, you were at rehearsal when I was kind of sharing with mm-hmm. the worship team about. I'm wrestling with how do we treat music like that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Go, going back to Marty Marty Sampson. Going back to Marty Sampson and and thinking even about like how do we use elevation music? If if I don't feel comfortable with everything that Stephen Furtick says and pointing people towards him, mm-hmm. right? Like how do I use that music or how do I use um, Bethel music when you know Bethel's got this movement of of the signs and the wonders and the the moving and shaking and I don't know if you guys have ever seen a YouTube video of a fire tunnel it's kind of scary the, the Pentecostal type movement oh yeah the, well I got some really good friends who are Pentecostal this is hyper charismatic <laughs> hyper Pentecostal oh, it's, it's hyper charismatic uh, but uh, you know how do we use that stuff uh, and I you know I shared a, a post uh, or a, an email to to our worship group uh, and I said in that there, wasn't an email that was a blog yeah, it was that, long, that was yeah. a book but uh, it was good though. Was one of the things I said in there is we need to weigh the balance. We need to talk about you know we weigh the songs by their own merits, but we also need to be careful to use them in such a way that we aren't promoting or pointing people to a person that you know if the song comes from a questionable source, we need to use it in such a way that we're careful not to point them mm-hmm. to the person uh, that we don't want them to follow, um, and that's. That's hard to figure out how to do exactly. Right. Um, you know, but again, I'm not here to, to I'm not here, I'm never going to throw, you know, someone who has an orthodox profession of faith, I'm not going to throw them out the kingdom because of their weird practice. Right. Um, and I'm not going to say, you know, you can't possibly be saved. If, if they're telling me they believe in the, the true God and the true gospel, I'm like, you know, you, you're wonky. But you're my weird. <laughs> you're still a bro- you're, you're my weird, weird uncle. But you're but you're my uncle. You're like you, right. we're cousins. We're we're related still. Uh, but does that mean I'm going to say everybody needs to go listen to this guy? Right. Right. No, and, there's got to be some discernment. Right. And mm-hmm. I think you know that's one of the that's one of the things that the, the scripture talks about a lot, like mm-hmm. being discerning. Um, well, and what what they're saying should always line up with the scripture. Right. And so if you don't know your scripture, you probably should read and dive into that right. more than listening to other people preach it. That's right. one issue I have with a lot of Christians is they're right. like, oh, well, so-and-so says this, or so-and-so right. says that. And it's like, well, what's the Bible say? Right. Well, I don't know, because my pastor preaches me the Bible. It's like, yeah, but 
your pastor is a man, and all men are right. infallible. Right. So why why would you just listen to that and not line it up with Scripture? I bring my Bible to Sunday service every week, right? And I make sure what you guys are preaching lines up with Scripture. And that's I mean that's what it's the Bereans, right? It's the Bereans and Acts. they were more noble than the other believers because they they tested what even Apostle Paul was saying. Right. And I ain't tested the Apostle Paul. And mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we I mean I think that's one of the beautiful things about the nature of the Reformation. Sorry, Catholics. Uh, <laughs> the nature of the Reformation was we got to get back to the Word of God right. and not just get it filtered through other people. Mm-hmm. And this is, the, this is the fun thing where we, we go out of the, out of the Reformation. Um, there is a group called the Anabaptists right. that even went farther than the Reformers where they're like, yeah, you, yeah. you got us on the good track, but, but there's still some stuff that you're holding yeah. to tradition over what the Bible says, specifically like with baptism was a yeah. big one. I mean, we, um, we are all Baptists. Because, but most of the reformers were pedo Baptists, like they baptized their babies, and they were okay with uh, uh, the the not not the separation of church and state. That's a Baptist. People want to say that's the world thing, separate church and state, but that's actually a Baptist asking right, Jefferson Baptist to put thing. the wall right. of separation. Right. Yeah, but they were all about um, church governance. Right. And, I mean, and the the yeah, most of the early reformers were state church people. Right. Well, and but the Anabaptists were like, yeah, I mean, when the state gets involved in the church, it's dangerous. Right. And and the Bible bears that out that it's So I think to be. we need to end the conversation with here is and, and this is where you started the conversation where um I think even last last episode we talked about it where our our opinions have no source, have no foundation in and of themselves. But we as as people of the book, of right. people of the Bible, we yeah. always have to go back to what does God say? Right. Right. If God doesn't say it, like in terms of stylistically for right. music, right. well, then now we're open to interpretation side of this conversation. Right. But if the Bible says this, you can no longer say, oh, I don't know if that's really what God is trying to say. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's where, where it goes back to. So um, I mean, we've, we've been going for an hour now with this conversation. Wow. But before we end, though... Um, before we get to fun facts with Fuller, because I, I know oh, you're, 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 you've I been so one. excited for this one. I don't even know what it is yet, but you're like giggling over there in the corner. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you would like to say or get off your chest or anything? Um, now, this is not like a court where you put your hand in your Bible. And like, you know, like oh, this no, is your last will is. and testament. No, no. But but is there anything that we missed in this conversation, do you think, Soche, that, that you think we need to address or, or, or make reference to? I would just say that, you know, as we think about the Christian and music, um, the ultimate goal of life and existence is the glory of God. The the Westminster Catechism uh, summarizes biblical principles, I believe. They were just men, but they summarize biblical principles in saying that the chief end the most important purpose of mankind is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The Scripture talks about all things are to Him and from Him, and to God be glory in all things. And so the ultimate, if our ultimate purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him, then our music should be used as a tool for that goal. Amen. If we are using music rightly, we will be using music to glorify God and enjoy Him more. And if the music we're using leads us to 
not enjoy God as much, throw it away. If it leads us to not glorify God, throw it away. Uh, but if it's something that's leading my heart to glorify God and enjoy Him more, it's right on. Uh, I think that's that's probably the whole sum total of my view of music. Is It's a tool to lead us to glorify God and enjoy Him more. So basically what you're saying is the last two hours of our conversations... Just throw it away. Just throw it away and listen to those last minute and a half. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, dude, so Soche, I mean... I don't think Fuller and I could have had as educated and smart of a conversation about music unless you were here. So seriously, thank you for for giving us your wisdom and your insights. Personally, I think he just needs to join us for every podcast episode. We might need to make a a permanent seat for the social. Yeah, each podcast might be like three hours long. Why are there 20 parts to this? Hope you guys are ready to listen to like Lord of the Rings version of podcasts. (laughs) Well... (laughs) (laughs) There is a podcast out there where they take two people who are um, C.S. Lewis experts and Ooh, Tolkien man. experts and have conversations about the the inklings and their oh, view yeah. of the world oh, and faith and Christianity. So I'll text that to you. I'll even drop it in the hey, show notes. I but like it's that. it's pretty. It, it, I'm gonna use all the words. It's dope. It's lit. It's fire. <laughs> wow. Fam, don't even. Know. I feel like I just dropped an IQ. <laughs> Well, I am the youth pastor, so I'm already down there. You just became Gen Z. So before we Uh, end, all right, Fuller, before we end, what is the fun fact with Chris Fuller? All right. The fun fact today is in 1386. 1386. AD or BC? AD. Okay. A pig in France was executed by public hanging for the murder of a child. No. Yeah. Say that a little louder for Cassidy in the back. In 1386, a pig in France was executed by public hanging for the murder of a child. So I have one question. You, you can Did ask. they still get bacon from that pig? Did they still get bacon from that pig? There is no uh, historical <laughs> reference to that portion of it, but uh, oh, I thought that was a pretty good one. That's a pretty good That's one. Pretty good but one. that note, Fuller, it's been a pleasure. Soche, Soche thanks, thanks for, for joining us, us. man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Easy. Thank you for listening to Real Talk Christian. To help get our podcast into the ears of other people who need to hear these conversations, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. To keep the conversations going, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share our content with others. See you next time.